bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need the legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Nevergradic, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, August 21st, 2012. I begin this week's podcast with a request from House Financial Services Committee Chairman Spencer Baucus wherein he asked investors, industry professionals, and the public to offer their ideas and suggestions on how to formulate a less burdensome legislative alternative to the Volcker Rule. Then, in the long housing tax credit section of this week's podcast, I'll discuss a favorable private letter ruling that was issued by the IRS related to taxes and bonds. I also have a clarification about the discussion from last week's podcast about the fair housing case in Texas. And for those of you who missed our press release, I'll share more information about the low-income housing tax credit property-level data available for free on our taxcredithousing.com website. In our New Market Tax Credit segment, I'll discuss the supplemental New Market Tax Credit application guidance that was provided last week when the CDFI fund updated its application Q&A document with 14 additional questions and answers about the application process. And finally, In this week's Renewable Energy discussion, I'll discuss the findings of two reports about renewable energy. The first report was published by the Department of Energy and reports strong growth in U.S. wind energy. The second report is the Interstate Renewable Energy Council's annual Solar Markets Trends report for 2011. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, we have an update on the Volcker Rule. On August 7th, House Financial Services Committee Chairman Spencer Baucus issued a press release wherein he asked investors, industry professionals, and the public to offer their ideas and suggestions on how to formulate a less burdensome legislative alternative to the Volcker Rule. In the press release, Chairman Baucus said, and I quote, if regulators implement the Volcker Rule in its current form, the repercussions will be devastating to our economy. Therefore, we must consider legislative alternatives that will not stifle economic growth and job creation. Close quote. Originally proposed in October of 2011 by federal financial regulators, regulations to implement the Volcker Rule have still not been finalized, though the Volcker Rule itself has become effective as of last month. Chairman Baucus's press release invited suggestions for an alternative that says that many of the 16,000 comment letters the regulators received in response to their proposal expressed concerns about the Volcker Rule's negative impact on market liquidity, pension plans, and retirement accounts. And for our listeners, the negative impacts on tax credit investments. Now, those wishing to submit legislative recommendations can do so by emailing them to the committee at volkeralternative at mail.house.gov. That's volkeralternative at mail.house.gov. Chairman Baca set a deadline of September 7th for interested parties to send their suggestions. The press release says that this deadline is going to give members time to evaluate the comments 
and legislative recommendations in preparation for a hearing that's being planned for this fall. We encourage our listeners to submit comments. This is an excellent opportunity to address the many issues that the tax credit community faces in connection with the application of the Volcker Rule. Nova Gradic's working groups will be submitting comments. The New Market Tax Credit and the Long Housing Tax Credit Working Groups will resubmit comments previously made regarding the rule's impact on guaranteed tax credit funds and the ability of investors and sponsors to provide credit and other services to tax credit investment funds. Also, the Renewable Energy Tax Credit Working Group will submit comments on the need for a specific private equity carve-out for renewable energy tax credit investments. If you have thoughts yourself as to what should be included, please send an email to cpas at novoco.com. In low-income housing tax credit news, the Internal Revenue Service on August 10th issued a private letter ruling related to bond issuance and unit mix for multifamily rental housing. PLR 2012-32006 concerns a tax-exempt bond transaction in which the issuer made a mistake when it filed the paperwork for the bond issuance. The developer of the affordable housing property and the bond issuer had agreed that the property would meet the 4060 test. Under the 4060 test, the developer reserves at least 40% of its units for those earning 60% or less of the area median gross income. In the case in question, when the issuer filed IRS Form 8038 with the federal government, it confused one property with another property and entered the unit mix for the second property into the form for the first property. This other property had agreed to meet the 2050 test. Under the 2050 test, the developer reserves at least 20% of its units for those earning 50% or less of their median gross income. The bond issuer asked the IRS to allow it to correct the unit mix for the property, and fortunately, the IRS agreed, describing the situation as a clerical error. The IRS gave the issuer a 45-day extension from the date of the PLR to amend the form. I should note that, as in all private letter rulings issued by the IRS, this decision only applies to the taxpayer requested it and may not be used or cited as precedent. You can find a copy of PLR 2012-32006 on the Affordable Housing Resource Center at www.taxcredithousing.com. Now, in case you missed our press release, Novogratic and company has made available a long-term tax credit mapping tool. It contains information on properties from 1997 through 2009. On this mapping tool, you can get project-specific information as well as generate maps, maps by state, congressional district, state legislative districts, and other political subdivisions. Furthermore, on the left tab of the web page, we've created a list of properties in a particular congressional district or in a state. This may help in your advocacy efforts. To review and use the tool, go to www.taxcredithousing.com and click on Resources, then click on LIHTC Mapping Tool. Let us know what you think of the tool and its utility, and if there are improvements to the tool that you think would be helpful, please send an email to cpas at novaco.com. Now I'll close with a clarification. I wanted to revisit a topic from last week's discussion and clarify a particular point. As listeners may recall from last week, we discussed a fair housing court case in Texas that concerns the distribution of low-income housing tax credit funded developments in the Dallas area. 
In my summary of the case, I discuss a court order and a remedial plan, which are two distinct items. To clarify, the court order issued in the case only applies to Dallas, but the policies adopted as part of the remedial plan apply statewide. If you have questions about the case or about developing long-term attachment properties in Texas, of course, I encourage you to call my partner, George Littlejohn, in our Austin, Texas office. In new market tax credit news, the CDFI fund updated its new market tax credit application Q&A last week with 14 additional questions and answers about the application process. The new questions and answers originated from two conference calls that the CDFI fund held in July to discuss the 2012 new market tax credit allocation application. Participants in those calls needed more clarification on specific items within the application such as what constitutes an innovative use of new market tax credits and whether a subsidiary CDE can apply for an allocation in the 2012 round. The CDFI Fund's new market tax credit program team gave some examples of what they would consider an innovative use of new market tax credits, including, as examples, investing in unrelated CDEs that do not have an allocation, targeting states that have received fewer dollars of qualified low-income community investments, and provided qualities or qualified low-income community investments in amounts of $2 million or less. The program team also clarified that any organization that wishes to apply for new market tax allocation cannot be a certified subsidiary CDE to a certified applicant CDE. The additional questions and answers appear at the beginning of the Q&A document and are highlighted. A copy of that document is available at www.newmarketscredits.com. Now, because of the complex nature of the New Market Attachment Program, many answers lead to more questions. If you have any questions or concerns about the application process, I encourage you to contact me or another partner on the New Market Task Credit team. You can reach me or others on the New Market Task Credit team by calling 415-356-8000. You can also access a recording of our new market tax credit application webinar at www.novaco.com. In renewable energy tax credit news, in light of a Department of Energy report from last week on the U.S. wind energy market, DOE officials are calling 2011 a banner year for the wind industry. President Obama touted the report's findings from the campaign trail, which made a stop in Iowa the day the report was released. Wind power represented a remarkable 32%, nearly a third, of all electric capacity additions last year, and it accounted for $14 billion in new investment. This according to the report from the Department of Energy's Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. Researchers also found that nearly 70% of the equipment installed at U.S. wind farms last year came from domestic manufacturers. That's compared to 35% in 2010. Roughly 6,800 megawatts of new wind power capacity was added to the grid last year. That represents a 31% increase from installations in 2010. To date, the nation's total wind capacity has grown to 50,000 megawatts. How many megawatts is that? That's enough to power all the homes in California. But the wind sector's growth can't continue without an extension of the Wind Energy Production Tax Credit. The report says that domestic energy deployment may slow down dramatically in 2013 
due to the possible expiration of renewable energy tax credits. And I would say it's likely to slow down dramatically without extension in the near term. The Department of Energy said its findings underscore the need for these incentives and continued policy support to protect the wind industry and the 75,000 jobs that the wind industry supports. You can download a copy of the Department of Energy's report called the 2011 Wind Technologies Market Report from www.energytaxcredits.com. The wind market wasn't the only renewable energy sector that showed dramatic improvement last year. One day after the DOE released its report on the nation's wind market, the Interstate Renewable Energy Council, IREC, released its annual Solar Market Trends Report for 2011. With more than 1.8 gigawatts installed last year, U.S. photovoltaic solar installations more than doubled, according to the report. IREC attributed this growth to stability in federal tax credits and the Section 1603 cash grant program. Last year saw more utility-scale systems and an increase in the average system size. PV capacity increased by 145% in larger utility systems and by 132% in non-residential systems. The report also found that prices for PV installations fell in 2011, and they predicted that they would continue to fall throughout this year. IREC's list of leading states for solar installations includes California, New Jersey, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and on the East Coast, Pennsylvania. All of these states have renewable energy tax incentives or other strong solar policies, which is, which is what leads to them being leading states for solar installations. The report says that early indicators for 2012 point to continued market growth due to the solar investment tax credit, due to state renewable portfolio standards, and completions of installations begun in 2011 in order to qualify for the Section 1603 cash grant program. A link to the report is available at www.energytaxcredits.com. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Please join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. And by the way, next week marks our 250th weekly podcast, and we're working on exciting content to help mark this milestone. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next week. As always, thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik & Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novoco.com podcast or by subscribing to the Novogratik Report on tax credits in iTunes. Novogratik & Company, LLP, is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with 13 offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.